Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Learner's Corner podcast. This is the podcast for lifelong learners where we learn from anything and everything. My name is Caleb Mason. And I'm Todd Ixenbaugh. Today, we are going to be learning about web design and web development. And joining us for that conversation will be Stephen Greer, who is the co-founder of a company called BaseTime and is a web developer and a web designer. This interview with Stephen is something that we were really, really interested in recording just because for both of us, we like looking at good websites. Like we like looking at things that are put together well. We like things that really are, um, are, are well thought out and well done. And uh, if you guys just search really quick his website, stephengreer.me, it is unbelievable. Like he is putting together and doing some crazy cool stuff. And the other thing is, is that he kind of, he brings this to the church. Like he does a lot of work with churches. And so for us, it just piqued our interest. And it was something that we really wanted to, to, to learn more from him about like what he does, how he does it, and, and how all of that works. Yeah. And really, you know, we were just trying to think through, you know, who would be great to have on the podcast. You know, I thought of Stephen and we went to his website and instantly Todd was like, we're talking to him. Yes, we need to have him on the podcast. So we're really excited to bring this conversation to you, and we're going to join that right now. Well, welcome to the podcast, Stephen Greer. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on today. Yeah. Stephen is a web developer, and he is also the co-founder of BaseTime. And so, Stephen, why don't you tell us like a little bit more about yourself and BaseTime and kind of what you do? Sure, absolutely, Caleb. Cool. Yeah, so my name is Stephen Greer, and uh, I'm originally from Ireland. Um, that's why you may hear a little bit of an accent there. Uh, I currently live in Phoenix, Arizona, um, uh, enjoying the sunshine in, in April, which is good. Uh, yeah, a little bit about me. I am a web developer. I uh, have built websites, uh, both designed and built websites for a number of years now. Um, started my own company about a year ago. And I've really been enjoying doing that. And the process of that, founded another company called BaseTime LLC. And we are a network of web developers who really enjoy working together. And we work on lots of different types of projects, and all within the, in the web sphere. So, yeah. Cool. So what, what made you want to get into web design and web development? Yeah, that's a good question. So uh, whenever, um, well, backing up a little bit, I moved to the States here about three years ago uh, from Ireland. But so I went to high school in, in Ireland and went to university there as well. Uh, whenever I was in high school, I, uh, yeah, I you know, I always loved computers. Um, I, I loved hacking on computers. And uh, I remember my first laptop. Um, man, that 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 thing saw a lot of a lot of stuff happen to it over the years. I'm always trying to break it and fix it again. So I always loved computers. Um, and through high school, I um, was pretty involved in my church, and uh, there was a lot of opportunity there for me to do some graphic work as well. So initially, I kind of got into graphic design. I liked uh, you know playing around on Photoshop and. Uh, trying to make these logos or, or, or flyers or something like that and really just spent my time. That was just a hobby of mine and, and, and did that and really, really enjoyed it. And then uh, after I finished high school, um, I kind of got connected with another church and they uh, they knew I did kind of graphic work and stuff and they're like, hey, we, we really need a website. I'm like, okay, um, I haven't done a website before, but sure, I'll, I'll give it a try. Um, so really knew nothing about web development, really even nothing about web design. 
and somehow over the course of a few months built built my first website for them and didn't charge them for it thankfully um and you know it, it was a website and looking back on it it definitely makes me cringe i don't think it's even around anymore but uh yeah that was that was kind of my first foray into the into the world of websites so yeah, I built my first website and you know from then on I was I was really hooked with you know what what what, what I could do on the web and really not I couldn't do a lot at that stage but I was I was fascinated so yeah over the course of the next few years um went to university and uh, I kind of worked my way through college just with uh, doing websites for people and it started off I wasn't even a developer I didn't know any code or anything like that I I used pre-made templates and installed them and and just built a site to look kind of cool. Um, and then through that, I started to learn some code, um, both on the front end and then over time in the back end as well. So I've been able to teach myself different uh, programming languages. Uh, yeah, through that, I yeah, really learned a lot building different websites just, as, just, for, for, just for friends, really. Um, and then fast forward a few years to moving out here to the States and uh, I ended up starting my own development company about a year ago, um, building websites for clients and uh, definitely have progressed a lot. The websites I build now are a lot better than, than when I started. So I know this, this, web, this podcast is all about learning. Um, mine's a story, of, a story of learning. So yeah, absolutely. Okay. So one of the things, you know, that I've, I've heard some people say is that, you know, I, I have like a social media platform. Why do I need a website? I mean, mm. what, what would you say to the person who's just like, you know, I'm good on social media. Do I really even need a website? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the, the rise of, of social media is really interesting, especially for businesses as well. Um, the potential there to connect with your audience is really, really incredible and something we really haven't had before. Um, how you can instantly connect with a mass audience. It's very specific to who you're trying to reach is, is really remarkable. But I, I don't think, uh, again, I'm a web developer, so you might say I'm a little bit biased, but I, I don't think that mitigates the need for having a website. And again, th this question really uh, depends a lot on who you are as well. If you're just an individual, then likelihood is you probably don't need a website. You may want to have a blog to, you know, share your opinions with the world. Um, that's up to you, um, and that may take the form of a website. But, you know, if you're a small business, if you're a church, if you're whatever kind of or a missions organization, whatever it may be, a nonprofit, I, I, I'm a firm believer that you really do need a website for a number of reasons. Uh, the first one is that you're in control of your website. Um, if you're on a social media platform, you're very much at the mercy of whatever that social media platform is and whatever they allow you to do. Um, so you very little control over how your, your profile looks. Uh, you know, on Facebook, you can have a profile photo and a cover photo, but that's really the extent of your design customization. Um, but beyond that, you're, you're very much at, at the mercy of what they do. A few years ago, uh, Facebook really changed their, their kind of philosophy for, for businesses and, and pages. Uh, it used to be that you post something on Facebook, there's a page that would just show up on everybody's feed. 
now they've really shifted to you need to actually pay money and advertise with them to have that seen in somebody's feed. So there's an example if you had built your business just around a Facebook page and they changed that, now you're having to spend a lot of money to get your information in front of people, how that would naturally work. So the first one is control. Um, you know, your website, you can you can do whatever you want with it, you know, depending on your platform. Um, a lot of platforms are very extendable. And as your business grows, as your organization grows, your website can grow along with that and develop in functionality. If you need a store on your website, you can do that. If you need a, a blog, you can do that. If you need different kind of application forms, you can do that. Um, so it really can grow with you. Uh, the second big thing with having your own website, I feel is content ownership as well. So as you start to publish content onto the web, especially if you're uh, you know, writing a blog or producing articles, um, something of that nature, I, I feel it's really important that you have ownership of that content. You control where that content lives. Again, if, if one of these social media platforms changes the rules, changes how they do things, then you're very much locked into what they do versus having your own content on your own site um, is is very important. I think that's very relevant to even when it comes to websites now. we um, There's a lot of services springing up that are, give you website builders um, on their own um on their own network, so you can create a, a website, Squarespace, Wix, or some of them, and they're a great platform, so they're really good. However, you are very much locked into their system as well, so if you grow out of that, you have to figure a way then to get your information out versus a system that you run yourself, which, which gives you complete content ownership. Um, yeah, and I think you know your website. You can you can reflect your brand a little more accurately as well. So with your design, again, you're not locked into what that social media platform offers you, but you can design your site to to look and, and function however you want. Um, However, I, I do think that social media is still very, very important as a marketing strategy as well. As I said earlier on, social media is very powerful. Uh, you know what most people do now, and I think is the recommended way, is that your website becomes your marketing hub. So if you're advertising on a, a social media platform, your goal is to drive people to that marketing hub, which is your website. So um, often how that works is you have a landing page on your site with a contact form and say you're trying to sell whatever vacuum cleaners I don't know what it is uh, your goal is to try and get a lead okay you're trying to get that person's information so a salesperson can follow up with them um, or they get entered into a marketing funnel of some kind your best bet with that is they have a, have a landing page on your site with a contact form very specific uh, to that to that goal and you do an ad on Facebook they click on the ad they go to that landing page and it asks them for their information um, and then you can you can kind of go from there so yeah I don't know does that, that answer your question yeah yeah it does so you know in in your process of you know determining or working for different companies and working for different um, people how do you go about determining what that person or company needs yeah that's a, that's a really good question um Usually for new clients, um, we uh, go through a process we call needs analysis. Um, so basically we have a kind of generic sort of form essentially that we walk through with the clients that hones in on some of what their needs are. Uh, and often a lot of the time, 
uh, a client or whoever they are have a hard time really articulating exactly what they want. They're like, I need a new website. Okay, what what kind of website do you need? What 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 should it? How should it function? Uh, what's the scale of what you're doing? What are your goals with this? So that needs analysis really helps. It helps that give them language to understand. Okay, this is actually what I want, and then it gives us the the knowledge of okay, this is this is what they need. Um, so some of the things that we address in that needs analysis is we look at what are the pain points. Um, so maybe they have an existing site and they want a new site. What's wrong with the current site? Um, and identify what some of them are. So that whenever we build a new site, we can address them and. and and help with those pain points. Um, one of the biggest things, that, and again, this kind of comes back to business strategy or organization strategy, but they need to define who their target audience is. Um, who are you trying to reach? And uh, I'm sure you guys have talked about this on other of your podcasts or whatever, but if, if, if your goal is to reach everybody, you're going to reach nobody. <laughs> so really honing in on what my target audience is um, and then that will really help determine what the website will, will be like. Um, also setting up goals. So what, what are the goals for your website? Um, is it purely just to give people information or are you trying to sell a particular product or events or um, whatever that looks like? Is, is your goal to try and uh, get somebody's email address so you can put them into a marketing funnel then and start to market to them? Or is it that you just want to get drive them to maybe your social media page because you want to interact with them in a certain way? Or, or is it that you want to get found on Google? I mean, I think everybody wants to get found on Google, but it's, it's more important to some people that you're uh, creating a site that really performs well uh, for search engines. Um, another thing that we try to establish is what's what's this company's personality? What, what are they like? Um, how, how do they present themselves so that we can kind of accurately accurately replicate that. Uh, one of the things, one of the places I run into this a lot is actually for churches, and I've done quite a few church websites. And often you get a, a church that is maybe a slightly older demographic. Um, they're maybe a little bit more traditional in their service style, um, and there's nothing wrong with that. They're a little bit more traditional in their service style, and they want this website that's like super slick and flashy and targeted towards young people, and it's like. Yeah, but you're not really reflecting who you are, and that may not be the best use of, of your resources. And you know, you get somebody who turns up thinking, "Oh, this this web this church must be amazing. It must be really modern, and modern worship, everything." And they get there, and it's a bunch of older people, which again, there's nothing wrong with, but it doesn't match their expectations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so really trying to figure out who they are. And you know what? That, that church with an older demographic um, and a slightly more traditional service, there's there's a website out there for them that really represents that well. And it can still look really good and really professional and really promote what they're trying to do well. But, um, you know, establishing what that personality is up front really helps with the design process. So, yeah. And then the other thing that, you know, um, we try to establish is what are actual needs versus just nice ideas. And usually this comes around technology and especially with people who maybe aren't as familiar with the web or what's possible. Uh, again, another place that I run into this quite a bit is again with churches or, or organizations, they, they come and they're like, Oh, we want an app like a phone app. 
And I'm like, you don't even know what that really entails, you know? Uh, if you want to develop a custom phone app, that could easily run you six figures. I don't think your budget of $2,000 is going to go very far with this, you know? But in reality, they're just like, oh, we saw this big church has an app. We need an app as well. No, you probably don't. Um, you know, you, you want people to access your messages. You want people to see your events. They can do that all on a mobile-friendly website. Um, so just setting up and, and paring down some of them expectations of well, what, what do you really, what do you really need? Not just nice ideas. Yeah, talk talk a little bit more about you know translating the company's like personality onto like a website a, a little bit more. Talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, um, you know, really, again, you're just you're just trying to create a visual representation of you know, what this what this brand is like, what these people are like, and really, when we say brand, brand is just people's perception of a organization. Okay, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily a logo, it's not necessarily a color screen scheme or a, a visual. Um, a visual layout, but rather just what we project onto that that organization. That's what the brand is. So trying to establish what that is uh, is is kind of the first step of that. And once we do that, we can start to develop you know designs that help promote what that brand is. Um, and sometimes that brand takes a little bit of refinement as well through that process. Well, okay, do we really need to talk about this or? And this really comes in whenever we talk, we, we, we address content on a website uh, versus just the visual design that a lot of the time I, I end up with clients who who are more interested in, in what they have to say versus what their target needs to hear. Um, so they have all of this information that they think they need to communicate to somebody, but in reality, the user is not interested in that information at all. They're there for a very specific reason. Um, so trying to pair pair some of that down and, and get to a place where um, you know, that content really um, really reflects well on, on what they're trying to do and who they're trying to reach. So yeah, just, just trying to get to know who they are and what they're looking for is, is, is uh, kind of the first step with that. So if I'm, let's say I'm a church or I'm an organization, I'm thinking, you know, I, I want to change my brand. I want to change my personality, like what would be some steps that you would say that would help empower them to do so? Absolutely. That's, that's a good question. I think, you know, um, the first step is going to be figuring out what your brand is currently. Um, so, and I mean, how you can do that is just ask people, Hey, what do you, what do you think of my company? What, what, what do you see whenever you, when you hear about us, right? Or, or what, what, what are your perceptions? So starting off by establishing, okay, this is what people perceive of us is, is the first, first place you want to go. Um, after that, then you want to figure out, well, does it, is that, does it really matter? Again, what's your target audience? Um, does it matter that this older person thinks your company is ridiculous, even though you're directly aimed at millennials? Okay. Probably not. That's, that's okay. Um, but you know, establishing uh, you know who your target audience is and balancing what your what your target audience thinks of your brand uh, is is a good place to start. And then if you realize, okay, there's some things there that we you know we want to 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 address, then then that's where kind of that creative process can really step in and, and be helpful. And a website, uh, along with other branding material and marketing material, can play a huge part in, in changing some of them uh, perceptions. Um, 
Yeah, and you know, like a, you know, a very simple example of this would be would be that church that I referenced earlier. That you know, that older church with a more traditional service, and they want to attract more younger people, which is very natural for a lot of churches. Um, if you change their brand, first off, you need to change what they do, or at least uh, look at that. You know, maybe we need to update the worship music a little bit. Okay, maybe we need to, you know, change some of the visual appeal of our building. So that's like the first step. But you know, eventually you're going to get to a point where, like, okay, we are actually going to want to build a website that reflects that and 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 helps to to reach some of the younger people. So now you can start to create a website that is targeted towards that younger person. It's a lot cleaner with its design. Um, you know, features a lot of maybe photographs of younger people. Again, um, that's another way to to really you know develop that brand for for maybe that organization or church. So yeah. So you you said that you know before we um, started recording is that you know you focus more on the web development piece. Can you explain a little bit like what's the difference between web design and web development? Yeah. That's a great question, and one I get a lot because people don't really understand the, the, the difference in that. Um, yeah, so the design of the site is going to be really what we were just talking about, that, that creative process around uh, finding out what their needs are, uh, establishing some of them goals, and then creating a visual representation of, hey, this is what we want the website to look like. Um, this is where we think the, the header should go, the logo should be here, here's a color scheme for the site, here's how all the other elements should be laid out. That's very much design. That's that's your that's only the, the first phase of it. The next phase is turning that design into something that's actually usable for your users, into a website essentially. So what we do, what I do a lot of is is that development piece, which is that second phase, which is taking that flat design, usually designed something like Photoshop or Illustrator and create a PDF or something of that and turning that into actual code. Um, and usually, most of the time, we actually integrate our websites into some form of CMS, a content management system, so that you, the users of this site, the clients, can actually go in and modify the content on the site. They're not locked into the, the content that we've put on the site at the beginning, but they can go in and they can change photos and they can change uh, text and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, that, that's all part of the development process. And then QAing that and making sure that that works across devices as well. Uh, we live in a device agnostic world now that we have so many different screen sizes, devices. We have uh, phones, we have tablets, we have uh, desktop computers of different sizes. We have now we even have smartwatches, which we're not really developing websites for yet, but you never know what wearables are going to do and what that's going to look like. So making sure that that website then looks how it should across all them devices is also a, a part of that too. So, yeah. So how, you know, you talked about, you know, devices <clears throat> like forcing you to change um, like in design and I'm assuming in development a little bit too. Yes. So, yes. Talk, I mean, just talk a little bit more about that. Like, how, how has it forced you to change from just considering, you know, what does this look like on a computer to what does this look like on a device? Yeah, that's, that's, that's really a good question. You know, as, um, 
over the the past few years, a, a trend has kind of emerged called responsive design. Um, going back a few years ago, it's very common for essentially uh, organizations to have multiple versions of their website. They usually have their main website, which is designed for desktop, and then they would have what we kind of term an M dot site. So you'd have M dot myorganization.com and that would be the mobile site so whenever you go there on a mobile device it would redirect you to this another version of the site sometimes it would have this exactly the same content sometimes the mobile site would actually have a way pared down version of the content we've, we've kind of moved away from that a lot to where we just have one website now that works across devices so this is responsive design so um, basically your, your same site will, will format correctly on a an iPhone versus a desktop computer so as you as you increase the screen size and elements on the page We'll, we'll readjust, we'll scale, uh, we'll kind of reformat to, to work on, on whatever device you're on, essentially. But the interesting thing with that is that uh, we're now having to consider performance as well. So that's, that's a huge thing, especially considering so much of our traffic now is, is on mobile devices. A lot of the websites that I've built, and there's, there's probably some better statistics out there, but... I have analytics on my sites, and I know that at least half of my visitors are all coming there on a mobile device now. So we kind of think of a website as like, oh, they're going to be there on the computer. No, like a huge part of your traffic is not even going to be on a computer. They're going to be on a mobile device. Um, and, you know, as, as, as Internet speeds increase, we're still at a point where um, you have people on mobile devices where they may not have great cell service and they still want to load your sites. So you have to be very considerate then of, well, how much how much stuff are you giving people? How many images are you loading? How heavy is your site? Because you might be there on a 100 megabyte connection on your, your desktop in your office, but then you have somebody... Um, who's out in the middle of nowhere who's trying to load your site on a 3G connection and they have a very different experience. So, so do, yeah. you see, do you ever see a time when um, it, it, it's going to switch and you're going to see it where most people aren't – I mean I'm thinking of like Instagram and, <clears throat> and, and, and places like that where they're, they're all mobile. I mean could you see a time yeah. when it switches completely to that coming soon? Um, I don't think it's going to switch completely. I think you know, the desktop computer still has a place in our society, but depending on your industry, you're going to see a lot more mobile traffic versus desktop traffic. What would be an example uh, of something like that? Yeah, so I mean, again, I wish I had, had some figures on this, um, but you can definitely find them. Like uh, online shopping now, um, most people are not using their computers anymore, um, so they're actually using their phones to do to do their shopping, um, whatever that looks like. So an example of this you know, again would be a maybe a clothing store, an online clothing store. I, I would imagine they're seeing the majority of their traffic, maybe eighty percent plus, on mobile devices because you think yourself when do you do online shopping especially for something like clothes it's usually in the evening you've got home you're maybe sitting on the sofa in front of the tv you don't have your your laptop out you don't have your you're not sitting at your desk doing this no you're going to pull out your phone and i'm going to go from there and and you can do that you can do that whole sales process just on your mobile device so yes when you say that are, are people using apps or are they using a website yeah, that's, that's a good question. I think, you know, 
depending on the service, apps are preferable. So something like Instagram, right? Instagram works best because it's an app versus a website. If it was a website, I don't think it would be quite as seamless. Um, but for something like online shopping, uh, it, it depends, I suppose. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm a, I'm a huge Amazon Prime user. Me, yeah. yeah. Amazon Prime account and... Man, the things the things that you find on there buy. Sometimes I get packages. And I'm like, what was I thinking? What even is this? But their app is super powerful because you know I go to look for something. I know I'm going to Amazon. I know I'm going to go there and and buy it there. And it's going to be at my door in two days or less, right? Um, but you know something that's maybe I'm not buying on Amazon. Maybe something that's a little bit more. Uh, Spoke, I'm going to do a Google search for that, and they're going to find independent stores that are going to have their own website, and they probably don't even have an app. Uh, for a number of reasons, apps are very expensive to create and build and maintain. Um, but additional to that, if I don't already have the app on my device, chances are I'm not going to go and download the app just to buy one item from your store, a, like a one-time thing, right? I'm going to be more inclined just to use the website because that's you know requires less less work. Though it was interesting, um, I, I don't know whether you use an, an iPhone or an Android device. I'm, a, I'm an Android fan personally. Um, my wife has an iPhone. We, we, we're, if you could see what we're talking to you on right now, we have, let's see, one, two, three. We have five. We have five Apple devices currently. There's a whole orchard two Mac, there, right? Two Mac um, tablets, uh, an iPad, and two iPhones sitting on the table with us. You guys have drank Kool-Aid, that's all I'm saying. No. <laughs> um, but the reason I say that is that um, a little while ago, um, Google, who makes Android, announced that they were playing around with essentially app components. They had a better title for it, I can't remember what it was. But um, basically, if you're on an online store or website and you want to go through the checkout process, your phone can actually download a part of that app uh, on the fly just to do that um, checkout process really? and then get rid of that part of the app once you finish that. I mean, this isn't, I don't think it's working yet, but they're, they're, they're playing around with that. So that you're getting the benefits of the app, which is that native experience or, you know, to your device. You can utilize swiping and tapping and, and stuff in a lot more true way, but you're not having to go to the app store, download the app. It's actually doing that for you, just that component so you can check out once you're finished, it gets rid of it again, right? That's so. crazy. That is nuts. Yeah. Wow. So if I'm, if I'm an organization or even if I'm you know, some, a person, you know, I think there's a tendency to think, well, I just I just updated my website like five years ago. How how often do you think like someone should update their website? Yeah, in my experience, um, somewhere between three and five years is the life cycle of a website. Again, depending on your industry, uh, if you're in something that's more enterprise or sorry business related that's maybe b2b rather than b2c you may not have to update your website quite as often and your design may not be as important uh, we did a website last year for a company and they essentially they sell um, car components car parts to their b2b they're directly to other businesses they honestly didn't really care how their website looked that much. It probably hadn't been updated in like eight years or something. And the reason they were updating their website is they just wanted a new system. They weren't even, the, the pain point wasn't even the design. We did do a new design for them, but 
um, you know, they were more interested in that system. But for companies that rely heavily on people's perception of their website and the, the design of that, yeah, you know, web design trends just move so quickly. If you do something a couple of years ago, it already looks outdated, which is kind of crazy. And then technology moves so quickly as well. Um, you know, four or five years ago, people weren't building responsive websites, and that wasn't even a thing yet. And now it's the industry standard. If you don't have a, web, a responsive website, Google uh, will actually be paying you with your search engine optimization. So uh, even just that technology piece that moves so quickly, you need to continue to update. And what what what's a responsive website? What, what is that? So, so a responsive website is the idea that, you know, we have one website that works on all of our devices regardless of screen size. So as you reduce that screen size, you'll see the website reformatting um, visually to fit your device without having to have a separate mobile site. Um, okay. So, uh, and then also with a responsive site, your content is all largely is all the same versus, you know, desktop versus mobile. So it's just really the styling and how that's laid out is what shifts your content stays the same. So, so you're saying every three to five years, you're probably needing to update um, what, what you're doing. And when you update, is this the design of the website? Is it the layout of the website? Is it the functionality or is, is it just all of it? I mean, are you just totally overhauling the whole thing? You know, I think for most people, they actually do end up overhauling the whole thing. But again, that, that comes to what's your pain points as well. Definitely the visual design is one, but if the functionality of your site is not needing really change, if you're pretty happy where it's at, then you know you may not really you may just need to essentially retheme or reskin uh, what you already have you know um, so it may not be a full rebuild or redesign of the entire infrastructure but for most people in my experience they end up doing the whole thing when they're there so how does the design of a website impact the person um, who's visiting the website? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I think the first thing is kind of answered your question, but a little bit of a tangent slash hobby horse of mine. Uh, your website, and again, this is coming from my developer mind because I think about this a lot. Uh, one of the most important things on your website now is performance. So how quickly your website loads. And I know that we have very fast internet speeds for the most part now, but we still have people who are on them 3G connections. Or if you're looking at international, um, if you're in an international audience, then not everybody has as fast internet as we have in the United States or Ireland or somewhere like that. So uh, performance is very important. Um, and that's not just from a user, you know, that they like that the website loads fast. No, it's actually proven that really affects whether they stay on your website or not. The statistic out there is if, if your website doesn't load in under three seconds, somebody just hits the back button, they go to a different website. They, they think it's broken or they're not interested. You have three seconds to get your information in front of people. Um, so that's that's really important, and they, they make that decision whether they'll continue with your website or not based on that. So, and even even again, Google actually recognizes that now too. They they factor in load times of your site into your your Google ranking because they know they want to improve their results for people, and people's attention span is three seconds or less for that initial load. Then they want to give people sites that are loading in in that time. So that's uh, kind of been factored in now. But you know that that's the first thing, but you know in terms of the design then it's for me it's and i think for most people it's is 
am I getting what I need from this website easily, right? So is it designed in a way where I'm getting getting what I need from this site? The reason, because I mean, I go to a website for a reason. I, most of the time, people don't just stumble upon a website. They're, they're going there for some reason, whether that's linked from another website, a Google search, or from their social media. They're going there for a specific reason. And if they can't get get to that thing, that reason they, they went there quickly, then that's very frustrating as well. Um, so making that very clear um, is important. A good example of this, I think, is coming back to the church website again. Um, you know, if, if you're a new person, right, you just moved to the area and um, you know, you're looking for a new church, honestly, the most important thing that you need to know is where it's at and when it's on. But I find that a lot of churches, they're like, they have that buried somewhere on like an insight page and they're more interested in talking about maybe their theology or their vision or their values before you tell you where it's on or where it's at. And none of them things aren't important. They, they are, but the user has went there to you find out where, where, how can I go to service, not like, or they may want to know that stuff in the future, but for right now, they just want, want to get what, what they went there for. So where, where do you see the future of like web design and web development going? You know, we were on your website and, you know, you opened it up and there was like this video that's playing. Like what, what do you see like the next stage or the next revolution of web design and web development being? Yeah, on, on the kind of the, the loading page of my website, I have this kind of like background video playing. And it's very simple. It's just like you know me flicking through a website or something. But you know, yeah, web design trends currently are that our websites are very media rich. Um, so video is now playing a huge part in, in web design, uh, photography, uh, communicating through photography is really important as well. Something that's very, very in right now. Uh, and for good reason, um, you know, the reality is it's kind of, I don't know whether you ever go on those sites where you are them articles where it's like, Hey, look at what Google looked like in 1995 or, um, the MSN homepage looked like in 1995 or 2000 or something, right. And see where we came from back then it was literally just like words on a page they had maybe had like one logo at the top and then it was just content and we thought that was incredible like you know our people not me i wasn't really looking at websites in 1995 to be honest people thought this was amazing like they were like i can read all of this information we've got to a point now where nobody wants to read anymore so like writing like 500 pages or 500 words on on your page like people are going to read the first hundred maybe and then they're gone if you haven't got them in that stage they're gone where versus media rich websites that have video somebody's more likely to click on that video and watch it um or you can communicate through photography and and and, and imagery as well so that's kind of where we're at now in terms of the future um i don't know we'll see uh you know it's it's very interesting. I think this we're definitely at a point where we're now device agnostic, so our screen size agnostic, where we you know we have lots of different devices, lots of different screen sizes. People are accessing the web in ways they haven't before. Um, you know the idea that you can be. Uh, you know, camping in the forest and you want to figure out how to light a fire, you pull out your phone, Google it, and you have a YouTube video of how to light a fire. Like, that's just mind-boggling to think that we have such access to information, right? 
Um, but you know, in the future, I, again, I don't know. Like, I think a virtual reality is is kind of a hot topic right now. So VR, um, and I don't know what websites look in that world. How they look in that world? They're, they're definitely not going to be no longer. They're no longer going to be just a flat website that you scroll through. They're going to be a lot more interactive. Um, so yeah, I mean that that could be something we see in the in the near future. Um, some people experimenting with how websites will work on on something like VR. Cool. So Stephen, if someone wants to get in contact with you, you know, if they want to, um, you know, they heard yeah, and they're like, man, I want Stephen to build a website for me. If they just want to connect with you more, where can they find you? Sure, you know, I always love talking this kind of stuff. Yeah, so you can, uh, you know, check out my website, stephengreer.me. Um, yeah, I'd love to, you know, you'll see, see what I've done there. Um, and there's a contact form there. Feel free to, to reach out with me, out to me. I'm always, always more than happy to have a conversation with somebody by website. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, guys. So coming out of that interview, one of my biggest takeaways as I'm just as I was just listening to him talk is the fact that you know websites are really the, the 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 place that are either your front door where people are first seeing you or they're your landing spot. Either way, it's so important for people to be able to have a website that works, a website that really represents who you are well, and that goes a long way for customers uh, of any of any business to being able to to, to be feel welcomed and to ultimately purchase your products. Now on our next episode, we're going to be talking about the struggle of race relations. The best way to make sure you don't miss our next episode is by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes. And we're also on Google Play now. If you want to see some of our key takeaways from this episode, check out our show notes. So our show notes are something very important that you guys can can grab a hold of to be able to even learn more from our podcast episodes. All you have to do is go under the description tab within each podcast episode, and there's a drop-down menu where you can check out all of our episode notes. That could be tweets. That could be any files that we might have gotten from the person who who we recorded with that day, but you can grab all of that off of our show notes. If this podcast has helped you in any way, leave us a rating or write a review on your podcast app. If you want to continue the conversation, you can like our Facebook page, follow us on Instagram at The Learner's Corner or on Twitter at our handle at Learner's Podcast. Until next time, keep learning, keep growing.